0: John chapter 2, if you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me, and I'll also refer to Matthew, the 16th chapter, Matthew chapter 16, after reading John chapter 2, and I'm going to begin with verse number 19 of John, the second chapter, amen. Amen. Jesus answered and said unto them, destroy this temple. And in three days I will raise it up. Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building. And wilt thou rear it up in three days? But he spake of the temple of his body. Matthew chapter 16 and verse number 15, He saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, and Jesus answered and said unto Him, Blessed art thou. Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Lord, we need your help tonight to preach what you have laid upon our heart for this moment and this hour for this congregation. I pray now, Lord, that you would anoint the hearts of every person, the ears, the mind, to receive and comprehend what the Spirit is speaking expressly to the church of this hour. Lord, I use these lips of clay tonight to preach. I humble myself before you and these people tonight, understanding that the task before me is greater than I am, God, and there's no way I can do it without your help. Your anointing flowing through me, and I ask for that in Jesus' name. Let everyone say amen. Greet two or three people around you before you are seated tonight. Wish them a happy Easter if you haven't already. Oh, boy, that was quick. That was quick greeting. Either you're tired or you don't like who's sitting next to you. One of the two. I don't know. I don't know. I started thinking today about a few items. I jumped on the internet, so Shauna's going to help me. I, I um, got to looking for a few items that um, are intriguing. How many of you like? like popular science and that sort of thing? You like to follow those trends and see what's, what's new on the market? Okay, I'm by myself up here tonight. I'm always interested in certain things uh, that are indestructible. And so uh, I wanted to see some of the latest inventions of indestructible things. And so I think we, we may have a, uh, some slides that are going to come up. There you go. How about those? Those are pretty cool, huh? Indestructible sunglasses. Now uh, These are made by Hercules Company. You would be interested in following up on them. They say you can run over them with a fire truck, and you can pick them up, dust them off, and put them back on, and they will be perfectly fine. So if you want to have your glasses ran over by a fire truck, well, there you have them, indestructible sunglasses. Now, there's something for you. I need one of those installed at my home right now. Am I the only one that hates replacing toilet seats? This is a cool invention. Indestructible, they say. Indestructible toilet seats. I can promise you they would be tested in my home. American Lock Company has an indestruct, indestructible lock that they say it can't be tampered with, it can't be picked, it, it, it is hardened steel that the thieves can't break. Everybody needs an indestructible lock, it will hold up to shooting, to the shooting of nine millimeter. Pistol rounds, and it will keep on ticking for all of you. You could target practice on your lock. Now, there's something for you, for all of you that want to hide all of your Internet usage. There is an indestructible hard drive. You're safe. You put it in, it can withstand a fire, it can withstand a flood, it can withstand all sorts of beating and tampering with, and when it comes out, they can put it in and discover everything that's on your hard drive, and it can all be safe. Sister Cheryl would have loved to have had that here a week or so ago when her computer crashed and she lost a great deal of everything on her computer. Indestructible hard drive. There you go. Hmm. Now, why would anybody want a house like that? Well, let me tell you. If you lived in Florida, you would understand why you need a hurricane-proof house. They say that this house has withstood four direct hits of hurricanes and comes out the other side perfect. It is a perfect specimen of an indestructible home. They say it will withstand all sorts of storms and hurricanes that come in, of course, perhaps if it was on the California coast, maybe the concrete wouldn't fare so well in an earthquake, but they call it indestructible let 's see indestructible pens in the event that you are a that you are diving and you dive in the deep end of the pool and you're swimming down in the bottom of the pool, and a thought comes to your mind that you need to write down you could can- <laughs> Whip out your indestructible pen and it will write underwater. I mean, I know you folks are going to be running out buying some of these items because they make a lot of sense. And this can be yours for $199. I'm going to put Bic out of business. Everybody needs an indestructible flashlight. I think I actually have owned a few of those and I have a tendency to lose them, or they break, one of the two. Let's move on. I mean, we all wear watches, but can somebody tell me why? I mean, there's clocks everywhere. We have cell phones. You keep the cell phone in front of your face. Okay, it's a nice piece of jewelry. Let's roll on. My family needs an indestructible cell phone. Just a few days ago, Brother Danny came and tried a new venture of slamming the door on his iPhone. The door won. Dylan thought it was cool, so a couple weeks ago, he did the same number on his. Runs in the family. Indestructible cell phones. Hmm, that's interesting. That is a bulletproof suit. That'd be a good gift for me. <laughs> for, the, for the slow to come along crowd, you're going to get that in a few minutes. That's what he was talking about. A bulletproof suit, indestructible. They say there's, a, they have, and the list could just go on and on and on, so I won't belabor the point tonight. But there are some things that I want to talk to you about tonight because I want to talk to you about what Jesus says is really indestructible. Because in John chapter 2, he said if you destroy this temple, speaking of his body, that in three days he would raise it up again because although the flesh was destructible, it was corruptible. But that corruptible flesh was going to put on an incorruptible body. And in three days, he said, I will raise it up again. Now, I'm not going to belabor the point and spend a lot of time here, but Jesus was saying that he was indestructible. And in this Easter season and on this Easter Sunday night, I just want to tell you that God did not die on the cross. The mortal flesh died on the cross. But on the third day, raised incorruptible. And He is alive and He lives forevermore. But now... I want to get a little deeper into Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus begins to speak to Peter who gave a little understanding of who Jesus was. He said, some say thou art Elias and some Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But Jesus asked him directly, Peter, whom do you say that I the Son of Man am? And he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he says to him, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he goes on to say that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. In other words, Jesus was saying that I am going to build a church that is indestructible because the earth is going to burn with a fervent heat. But he says, my church is indestructible. I want to preach for a few minutes tonight about the church which is indestructible. Look at your neighbor and say that word, indestructible. The very word indestructible simply means incapable of being destroyed, ruined, or rendered ineffective. In our text, this is what Jesus was saying about the church. Jesus and Peter are having a discussion about his deity. And he says, I will build my church upon this revelation and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I want you to understand something about the church. The church is indestructible. You may hinder the movement of the church. You may... Affect some of the people in the church, but you cannot destroy the church. Even the gates of hell cannot destroy the church. Because the church is indestructible. It's incapable of being destroyed. It is undefeatable. It will never be rendered useless. The church is not an incidental part of God's plan. The church is the crown jewel of His very purpose. Jesus didn't invite people on a bandwagon of love and social acceptance, but he showed people how to live and told them to be sure that they are ready at his appearance. And he called them to repent and to come to the order and understanding of faith. And he called them out of the world and he called them into the church that he was building. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The Lord didn't, didn't save them without adding them to the church. And he didn't add them to the church without saving them. We need to fall in love with the church. We need to fall in love with the church. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And if we truly love the church, we will bear with her in all its failings, endure with her through the struggles, and cherish her as the beloved of Christ. And understand that the church is the hope of the world. Not because the church gets it all right all of the time, but because the church is the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of the church. Don't ever give up on the church. The church is indestructible, and I'm glad in times of storm I have the church, and in times of discomfort I have the church, and when I don't know where to turn to, I have the church. Thank God for the church. Don't ever give up on the church and don't ever bet against the church because Jesus said that even the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. It's designed to live in dying times. It's designed for victory in times of defeat. The church is destined to rapture in times of destruction. It is destined to reign in times of ruin. It is destined for heaven in times of hell. She is declared in the scripture as a glorious church. She is a splendid church. She is a gorgeous church, an honorable church. She is a magnificent church. She is a glorious church, and she belongs to God. And God has engaged Himself to the church. The church is His bride. And I want to declare to everybody in this room today that whether you know it or not, you need the church. Look at your neighbor and tell them you need the church. I've had those say they don't need the church, but they were wrong. You need the church. I don't know where I would be. They sang it right tonight. If it had not been for Jesus, I don't know where I would be. But I'm going to tell you that if it had not have been some of the times and some of the things I've dealt with in my life, if it had not have been for the strength of the church, knowing I had brothers and sisters in the church that were caring, that were praying, that were supporting, that were holding me up, thank God for the church. I'm glad I'm part of the church. It's not a perfect church, but it's a glorious church. It's not a perfect church, but it's God's church. I'm glad I'm part of the church. When you just stop and think about the church and all that it takes to have a church, it it is just mind-boggling to think that people volunteer they voluntarily pay for the church. Most do. There's a few freeloaders. Well, that's the that's fact of life. But you work and build it, and you pay for the construction, and you pay the light bills, and then you volunteer, and then you show up when you don't feel like it. I mean, we're just being real about the church. Nobody makes you get up and come to church on Sunday. Nobody makes you pay your tithing. Nobody makes you give in the offerings. Nobody makes you you do it because you want to do it. And then you show up and clean the church. Well, a few do. I I tell you this cleaning crew, I've got to teach them when it's time to respond. Are you thankful for the cleaning crew? You ought to do better than that if you knew how hard they work around here. You clean it, repair it, maintain it, pay for it, you're faithful to it, you're loyal to it, you're dedicated to it, you're patient with it, you're consecrated. This church survives all sorts of cultures and times and seasons. It even survives some people. And whether you know it or not, the church survives a lot of leaders. Because we're not all good leaders. But God's church makes it through it. And not everybody that shows up and joins the church is going to help the church. There's some that come to try to destroy it. But my Bible tells me, and I'm trying to remind you tonight, that the church is indestructible. Because a leader can't destroy it, a member can't destroy it, government can't destroy it, nothing can destroy it, the gates of hell can't touch it, because it's God's church, and upon this rock I will build my church. I wish you would get me off of this. It's an amazing place. Walmart couldn't survive with the philosophy of the church. It'd go broke. We have work days. You show up and work at the truckload cell and then buy the product. You furnish the buns and the meat for the sloppy joes. Work, cook, serve, and turn around and buy it for your family. No other business could survive. This is God's church. And here's the deal. It didn't just start yesterday. It didn't start with the generation before us. It didn't just start at the beginning of this century. But it started over 2,000 years ago. And Jesus declared back then, I'm going to build a church, and when I build the church... Nothing is going to be able to stop the church. Nothing is going to be able to stop the church. I dare you just to look around you tonight and think about the power of the church and how awesome the church is. Look, I was thinking this morning as Sunday school was taking place, church was going on this morning, And I was thinking about all the people that had to be involved in order to make this weekend what it is. There are weak links. One stands in this pulpit often. I'm working on him, (laughs) though. I had to get it in there. I had to get it in there. I'm just kidding. i got to tell you. I got to tell you I appreciate the hard labor and work of brother Danny and sister Cheryl around here. I was thinking this morning the number of hours that they alone have spent working preparing for just this weekend alone. And and a lot of people just really don't don't really think about this. Do you think about the number of hours collectively that our teachers and our our student ministries and our teachers and the kind of hours that they spend every week. Not just one teacher, not just two, but multiple teachers. We have teachers on Wednesday night. We have teachers on Sunday morning. And then there's helpers and workers and, and, and some that do Sundays and Wednesdays and the number of hours spent in preparing a lesson. Do you know for an hour lesson, they probably put two, three, four, maybe more hours in preparation for that one lesson? And then they come and put up with our kids. And then they do it with a smile on their face. And if you want to just... Gauge the church. Look in the classrooms. Look at the children's ministry directors and teachers. Look at, look at our young people. I'm so proud of them. I, I, I told Brother Brandon this morning, I'm doing everything within my power to try to help grow that young adult class. My guest today would have fit into the young adult class. And and my guest brought two guests with her this morning. And, and I was just so excited and proud of myself. Humble, Holy Ghost proud, of course. Because my guest came. My guest that I reached out to, that I invited, that I tried to get to come to church. And she said I would come. And then I had to cancel my haircut appointment a couple of weeks ago. And I thought... To myself, oh, I should call, but then she's going to be disappointed because I canceled my appointment and she missed that five dollar tip, and she probably won't be there. But oh well. And this morning she come walking in. I I was just so, I was so proud. I think they had twenty two students or so in the young in the first young adult class, which happens the first Wednesday night of every month. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? I don't know if you've been over and looked at the youth class, but I've, I've been watching what was going on over there. And I remember a year or so ago when they set out, I believe it was 48 chairs because they had, they had 24 young people there on a Wednesday night. And they set out 48 chairs challenging everybody to bring somebody in there. But now if you go over and notice on a Wednesday night, it's, there's way more than 24 that are in there. You know why? Because It's growing. I look at our young families. I told somebody I was privileged to get to preach last Sunday in my home church. As a matter of fact, the church that I preached my very first sermon in, um, I was able to uh, go back and and honored. They just called me last minute about 9 o'clock the night before, and and, uh, the pastor said, I heard you were in town, and I said, I am coming into town. We're actually still driving and he said, "Would by chance, would your boys be able to preach tomorrow? And maybe uh, Gentry could preach Sunday morning and then the twin boys could preach Sunday night. And I said, well, Gentry is in Alaska. Glad to have him home tonight. He's going to be gone again next week. <laughs> by the way, eight received the Holy Ghost, I believe. Several miracles that happened <laughs> last week in Alaska. He flies out to... Sacramento, California, this week. He'll be there for a couple of weeks. God's using him. Blessing, I appreciate your support and your prayers, and he's doing wonderful. So I had to tell uh, the pastor Gentry, he was not there to be able to preach. He said, well, how about you? He said, you're here. And I said, a weekend off would be great. And he said, I understand, but he said, we hadn't heard you in a long time. Would you be willing to preach in the morning? I said, I will preach in the morning. And so I was honored to be able to stand in the pulpit and to preach last Sunday morning in the church that I preached Uh, my very first sermon in and then Sunday night Spencer and Dylan preached together. As a matter of fact we're going to have to have them do that here. They tag team preached and if you haven't seen that, that was really neat. They preached the same subject and uh, one of them started and one of them closed. It just worked out beautifully and they did a fantastic job. But I was talking to them about our church and they were asking different ones, was asking questions about the church and, and I don't get to see them too often and I told them, I said, to be honest with you, I'm the old man there now. Because I'm older than the majority of the people. We are blessed with so many, so many young families that are raising, raising families. And, and I appreciate our young couple so very much. And, and, and I watch them, and I know the struggles of, of newly, being a newlywed and, and raising up little guys. The Lord gave us a double portion of trouble. See what I mean? And I'm so thankful. I watch our young couples, some that go through hardship and struggle and, and the financial pressures and stresses that uh, often fall on our young couples. But they remain faithful to God, keep their kids in church, doing wonderful. I, I look around this church and I've watched our, our, our leaders and our seniors and those that have been around the church a while. And I, I've just watched them just become steady and faithful and committed to the work of the Lord and, and, and just, just being a steady example I am proud, Holy Ghost proud of this church and in what this church is doing and becoming for the kingdom of God. Our our music program is just second to none. And when you go out to other churches, thank God. (laughs) There's a lot of people that think that they know what they're doing. I thank God for those that play in the spirit and play with understanding. If you want to gauge the church, look at the sacrifices of our choir members that that came Oh, goodness, I don't know how many practices, rehearsals that they had just to learn four new songs for today. Uh, And and singing this morning and tonight, and I know they'll do these songs on into the future, but the the amount of sacrifice that went in to people just preparing. I'm talking about the church tonight. The the, the amount of time and energy and effort that goes into these things. I, I pulled up this morning. And and I drove by and I looked out at the front lawn. I'm sure billy goats just came through and just grazed that thing looking all striped and everything. But I kind of doubt it. Didn't it look wonderful? I... I pull in every Sunday and just can count on being greeted out front and, and, and there being people in the parking lot. Rain, snow, or a beautiful morning like this morning, I thank God for their sakes. Because there they are smiling. I, listen, folks, I'm not on the phone calling people, begging them. People are just buying in, getting on board I mean, they pay their tithing to get to work in the parking lot, in the snow. Think about this. I'm talking about what what is happening in the church. Walk in and greeters, more hands. It's like, hi, 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 hi. I love it. The usher staff. I come in on Sunday night. Sometimes I'll come a little bit late if I do all my studying at home. And I'll come in a little late and I get out of my truck. And when I open my door, I hear the roar coming out of the prayer room. Hmm. I'm talking about what it takes to build a church. I'm talking about why that a church is indestructible. Because I can get crossways, but there's way too much going on because God says, I'm going to have a church. I'm going to build a church. With you or without you, there's going to be a church. I want to get on board. I want to be part of what God's doing. I want to be right in the middle of it. A couple of weeks ago, I came and challenged you with a need for this congregation, our need, and we prayed, God, supply our need. Now, I, 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 I've also been praying for a million-dollar donation just to come in, and he's waiting for you to get it out of your bank account, but we challenged you while we build to make some commitments, and the bank put some requirements on us. And the bank said, do you believe you can do this? Well, I thought, yes, it would be no problem at 100000 But when they start talking about $200,000, i am going to be very frank with you. We have discussed it. The board has discussed it. And we have looked at each other with very sincere looks and said, I don't know if we can do this. This will be a real stretch for all of us. But after this morning, When all of the totals came in, and our goal of $200,000, ladies and gentlemen, I am thanking God and thanking you for your commitments. Because tonight I am confident that over the next 18 months, our goal, I believe she's got it to put it on the screen tonight, our goal has been reached just by a margin. Somebody ought to celebrate. Go ahead and celebrate with the Lord now. God knows exactly what we need. He could have turned those numbers around and given us 663000 But just like he put the coin in the fish's mouth to be just enough to pay the taxes, he said, I'm going to give you just enough. And I'm coming down to the wire, chewing on my fingernails. And this morning, five pledge cards came in to help us be able to reach our goal. Thank you. Thank God. Let's take a moment and just let the Lord know how thankful we are. Hallelujah. God bless you. Right in the middle of all of this, we're still sending our money every month to missionaries. Right in the middle of it, we're still supporting children's ministry, youth ministry, student ministry, She's for Christ. We're still giving to every department. We are still giving, giving. You know why? Because we're givers. You know why we're givers? Because we know God will never forsake the church. He will never forsake us. And when we are implemented, when we are dedicated, when we are connected to the church, we are living in the best place we can possibly live knowing that God will always make a way for us. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. I'll tell you something else that makes this church so unique, so powerful, so, is because we have from infants to young people to seniors I don't know where the best place to be is in the church. Because when the Brooks put on an, uh, an event for the seniors for life, I want to be there because it's exciting. And when Children's Ministry puts on an event, I want to be there because it's exciting. And when youth event does something, I want to be there because it's exciting. And when joy does something, I want to be there because it's exciting. You know what that means? Everybody, no matter what age, no matter what background, there is a place for everybody in God's church. The church will always survive. If you're not in the church, you need to be in the church. No, I'm not talking about just being here tonight. I'm talking about in the church. If you're just an attender, I'm I'm coming after you tonight. Be more than an attender. Get in the church. I want to be part of the church. I want to be here every time the doors are open. I want to be part of everything that's going on. I'm going to be calling on some of you. In your commitment cards, you put areas of interest of work and labor, and we're creating spreadsheets and putting together groups and teams, and we're going to be calling on different groups. We need massive groups. We're, going to, we're, we're building a church starting April the 11th. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Materials are going to start hitting the ground. The Lord's giving us good weather. I talked to Dave Cooper a few days ago. He said, man, I'm being able to keep pace where I'm at. He said, it looks like we're going to be able to start immediately. We're excited about that. We're going to be calling for cleanup crews every evening, going out, cleaning up after their work, keeping things tidied up. We're going to have other work that's going to begin and get started. By the month of June, we're going to be fully engaged in heavy, deep work with a lot of different things that's going to be happening. We're going to be calling on help over and over and over again. This is going to be a long process, but people are excited about People are ready to make it happen. I talked to Brother Jeremy yesterday. He said, I'm selling my motorcycle. I said, why? He said, I'm not going to need it for the next 18 months. (laughs) You know, I I don't want people to give up their entire life, but thank God for people that's willing to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. i got to wrap this up. Here's what God said about his church. First of all, he said, I love her and he engaged himself to the church. Whatever you think about the church, God loves the church, and he has engaged himself to the church. Ephesians chapter 5, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. His act of sacrifice is a clear indication of his love for the church. The New Testament reference to the church as the bride of Christ reminds us of God's love for the church. God's patience with the church reminds us of His faithfulness to us, His patience with us when we're not always everything we ought to be. But he also says he's going to protect the church. Isaiah 49, he said, I will contend with those who contend with you. And of course, in our text, the scripture says, I will build her. Don't ever think the church is everything the church ought to be. Because God is continually building the church. He is making the church more than what it is. In God's economy, everything is always growing. God created everything to where it would grow. When he created the world, when he spoke the world into existence and he created, he created every herb and the seed yielding after its kind, meaning it is to produce and to grow. He took a perfect man and perfect woman, put them in a perfect environment, and he said, now till it, keep it, and make it replenish make it grow. His acts of creation in Genesis were only the beginning. Genesis means the beginning. Ever since then, God's creation was intended to grow. Everything in the natural world was made with the capacity to reproduce itself. If you expect everything in the church to always remain the same, it's not going to remain the same. It's going to always be evolving because that's how God has made his church. Our doctrine will never change, but our methods will always be changing, keeping current with the times. We may have favorites. We may like it. I love, you know, I tell everybody the best music in the world came out of the 70s and 80s. You know why? That was my music. My kids like the modern music. Your kids do too. Our seniors like the music out of the 40s and 50s and 60s, and that's all right. There's nothing wrong with it. Let's blend it all together and put it all together. But it's always going to be changing. It's always going to be moving forward. It's always going to be progressing. And you know what I appreciate? I saw our bishop here this morning, although he's not feeling well tonight, but I saw him here this morning, and it didn't matter whether it was the modern music that they were doing with the travel choir or the throwback portions of the songs they were doing. He was singing and worshiping and praising God to every genre, every generation of music. Not that the bishop ought to be worship, but it ought to be an example to you and I. It's not about the the style. It's not about the tempo. It's about the God that we are praising. The church is made to grow. Acts chapter 2 and the Lord added to. Everybody say added to. Added to the church. I got to reach a close very quickly. He says, I will establish the church. Understand that the church is part of a bigger picture than just us. If we get caught up in a mentality that this is what it's all about, just us for and no more, we will cease to exist. That's why fellowshipping outside of ourselves is so very important. That's why we go to camps and conferences. As a matter of fact, this year, General Conference is coming to Indianapolis. Indianapolis. In September, I believe it is. And I want every member of this church, I'm promoting it now, I want you to be planning for it. Yes, there's a registration fee. Please don't say, I'll never pay to get in. They rent a huge facility that costs tens of thousands of dollars. I happen to be on the inside loop of this to know that for security alone, it is almost $200,000 just for the security portion they have to pay law enforcement to come to, to, to make sure that y- you all behave yourself. You know, they know a bunch of crazy apostolics are coming. And it costs a lot of money to be able to do it. But I want the church to be able to go. You know why? I want you to go to see the missionaries, to hear the messages to hear what's happening from California to Florida and across the seas. I want us to go and be part of it. We'll get a bus if we need to to get everybody there. I want us to go to fill that place up to be part of it. And then in 2017, NAYC, North American Youth Congress is coming to Indianapolis, and it's going to be the largest, the greatest, the biggest we've ever had, and I want us to go and be part of it because it's bigger than we are. It's more than just what's happening here. We're part, and in the, in, in the grand scheme of things, we're just like a little dot on the globe in comparison to the massive revival that is happening around the, around the world. Do you know that in uh, South America, one of the South American countries, here just it was in el salvador just back during the awakening on a sunday we we received the report that 5000 people received the baptism of the holy ghost in one service yeah 5000 god will establish us as a body But he wants us to look more broad than just ourselves. He says, I will glorify her. Meaning that he will adorn the church with his glory. That's why we see the gifts of the Spirit in operation. It's not about, well, I wonder who it is that's going to get to operate tonight in the gifts. I wonder who it is tonight that's going to get the solo. I wonder who tonight is going to get a word of prophecy spoken over them. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. Put it all aside. It's about Him receiving the glory. He said, I will glorify the church. I'll glorify the body. And He will glorify the body. But it is not about us being glorified. It is about Him being glorified i got to wrap this up. i got to get to the conclusion. But here's what he said. He says, I will not only do all of these things, but he says, I will return for her. I was talking to Gentry last night. Just a little touch of Scripture came to my mind, and I'm not going to preach the whole message. Maybe he preaches it next time that he's, he's here preaching. Zion said, the Lord has forgotten us. Said In other words, the Lord engaged himself to us and then he went to prepare a place for us, but he has forgotten us. And here we are forgotten in Frankfurt. While the rest of the world is being blessed and the rest of the church is being blessed, but me, I'm forgotten here with a boatload of problems. I'm forgotten as as a single parent. I'm forgotten as a victim of a serious disease. I'm forgotten in in, in a troubled marriage. I'm forgotten in a state of poverty. Oh, everybody's going to get quiet on me. I'm forgotten here. He said, there's going to come a time that Zion's going to say the Lord's forgotten me. But he said, I want you to understand something. Behold, he says, I have graven thee. In the palms of my hands. That's a reference to the nails that he took when they nailed him to the cross, when he could have just been tied to the cross. He said, nail me to the cross because when I lift and hold my hands in front of me, I'm going to be reminded of them and they need to know, not that God is forgetful of us, but we need to know that every time that his hands come in front of his face, he is reminded, I hadn't forgotten them. I know what they're going through. I know where they are. I know exactly what they're facing. I came tonight to remind somebody that God has not forgotten you. He is not destroying you. Get in the church, stay in the church, right in the middle of the church because it's indestructible. It'll be your ship in the middle of a storm, it'll be your point of safety when the world is in chaos. Oh, somebody, thank God tonight for the church. And he says, I'm going to return for her. He says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. But he's going to return for his church. Uh, We used to sing it around here many, many years ago. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. I don't know about you tonight. We're in the middle of a building program. My kids are in a very fun and exciting age, and we're just enjoying life. But I don't want to get so caught up that this world becomes my home, brother newcomer. I don't want to get so caught up with what's going on down here that I fall in love with the the here and with the now. I want to be caught up with him whenever he's ready to call me home. I don't know about you, but I want to stay in the middle of the church because he's coming. He's coming for a church without spot and without blemish. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. How about you? You want to be ready tonight? Throw both hands in the air and let him know tonight, God, I want to be ready. I want to be in the center of what you're doing. I want to be in the center of the church. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Soon and very soon. See the Oh, come on, sing it with me now. Soon, soon and, and very soon. soon, we are going Oh, soon, very soon we are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Soon, very soon, we are, are going, going to, see to see the King, hallelujah, hallelujah, we are going to see the King, oh, soon and very soon we, we are, are going, going to see the king soon and, soon, soon and very soon we are going we are going to see the soon king and very soon, soon and very soon we are going to see the king glory hallelujah Oh, and we're no more sorrow there. We are going to see the King. Oh, there'll be no more sorrow there. We are going. Come on, this is the hope of the church.